0: And welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We've made it in season. Great day to be great. I'm pumped, people. If you were not here last year, basically during the end season, we have a set schedule fully meant to get you as updated as smart as ready-to-win fantasy, betting, whatever the hell your vice is. We want you to win all those things by the time Sunday comes around, so we're going to break down everything during the week. Slightly different week than normal because we didn't have the Sunday games, but normally, people, by Monday morning, you'll have a game-by-game breakdown of what happened. Tuesday, we're going to go through waiver-wire stuff, Wednesday, AKA right now, we're previewing the upcoming week's action. Thursday, we'll be looking at more of a, you know, interview style with a guest. Friday will be a DFS center show, Saturday injury stuff. And Sunday, we will have a start sit hour in the morning. So again, today's business will be a game by game breakdown of all the week one action. And I am joined by the one, the only, the great Dwayne, the rock McFarland. Dwayne,
1: how's it going? Dude, is that, I mean, rhetorical question? We're about to get NFL football, man. We're excited. Uh, and I'm just happy to be part of this team, getting to do the regular season stuff. So yeah, man. Um it's it's Christmas was getting it was like seeing all the presents under the tree, getting to open them. Like this week you get to actually play with all the toys in. You get to play with them.
0: Offseason season grind is great, but offseason grind is over. Week one's here. Let's go, everybody. First matchup, Thursday night football. We got the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa is sitting as a seven-and-a-half point favorite. They opened at six-and-a-half, over-unders at 52. So just real quick, Dwayne and I are basically going to go team by team, each bringing up a main point. We are not trying to come down and break every single thing through with every single matchup. That would take about six hours. Hey, it might work out for some people, but believe me, uh, we're going to be uh, rushing to try to get this into about nine. 90 minutes as it is so with that said if we don't mention somebody you know we're not just forgetting about him we're just trying to focus on the most important stuff and I'm going to start off here with the Cowboys and I would just say people let's not put too much stock into losing one great offensive lineman in Zach Martin now apparently it's a tough situation to figure out because he was vaccinated and he got COVID so I think there might still be a chance he could return by Thursday if he can get the back-to-back negative test not sure assuming Martin is out right now though so, yeah, it's not ideal, people, but let's not pretend like that Zeke just can't produce without a great guard like Zach Martin. Look at last year, week one, Los Angeles Rams, similar, very tough matchup. Lel Collins, not quite on Zach Martin's, level but still a very good offensive tackle in his own right he was out of the game what did zeke do scored two touchdowns overall rb3 performance i get bumping zeke out of your top five running backs it's a very tough matchup the buccaneers are about as stout as they come in the front seven we got to start your studs people so hey if you're in six-man league and you happen to have you know five top 10 running backs maybe by some grace of god zeke elliott uh, is on your bench but other than the exceptions to that rule zeke is someone that you know worst case you're moving from the RB one spot to the RB two to try to light a fire under his ass. Otherwise you are not messing with him. Even if there is a tough matchup like this. And honestly, Dwayne, it's the same thing with the wide receivers for me. I get it as a tiebreaker, Amari Cooper, CD lamb, Zico Elliott, you draft these guys to start them, please for the love of God, do not be including these guys in start sit questions this week. Now, Dwayne Tampa Bay. I mean, it's funny, man. I think if we went through this whole roster, which we're not going to do, but if we did, we'd be hard pressed to find a, uh, you know, real weakness on the team. I think that's doubly true on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah. I mean, the big thing for the box is I think it's funny, you know, sitting here as we do working through weekly rankings and thinking about the offseason process and you know, how you have your season long rankings and like, I don't know about you, Ian, but like, there's no way you can't, I mean, Tom Brady has to be in the top five this week. Like you've got great matchups across the board. You've got um, Godwin, you know, has got like the juiciest matchup. And if you guys haven't seen this, but you probably haven't, uh, there's been an upgrade to the wide receiver cornerback matchup tool. And there are a lot of really, really cool new things in there um, that you guys will be able to check out. But number one, you can break it down, not only by matchup, but it'll actually show you all the cornerbacks and how they're going to match up against them and projected snaps against each corner from the other team. So, you know, the days of, well, you know, matchups don't really matter because we don't know who's going to cover who. Well, we're actually trying to tackle that challenge by projecting who we think will line up on who the most often. And the big, big takeaway is bottom line is if you zoom out, all the bucks are in really good spots as far as their matchups, but Chris Godwin um, from the slot is going to get Jordan Lewis, um, on probably about 37 of his snaps. And so that's going to be a really juicy matchup. I've I've got the Bucks, So I've got Brady at QB four. I've got Godwin at wide receiver, 11 Evans at wide receiver, 13 Antonio Brown also inside my top 36. I've got him at 27, but he could easily finish at like 20, 22. Like I, I just expect, you know, this offense to totally cook as far as the backs go. I still don't know who to trust. So I'm kind of trying to still steer clear of that situation for now, but love, 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 love. Brady and all the receivers.
0: I too have Brady as my QB4 and yeah we didn't even talk about this Dwayne look at that uh, great minds as they say only thing to keep an eye on people Chris Godwin was downgraded to limited in practice on Tuesday with a quad issue also saw Antonio Brown go from full to a DMP with AB I think that might just be them yeah. monitoring that knee issue Godwin will keep a closer eye on it look the guy played through so many injuries last year as well I'm not saying he'll be out by any stretch again just something to keep an eye on next up we got the Seattle Seahawks at the Indianapolis Colts Seattle opened as two and a half point favorites that has ballooned up to five perhaps due to some due to some of the uncertainty over on the Colts uh you know quarterback room over the past few weeks over under opened at 52 now is down to 49 and a half. so the one thing I want to point out is this could be Dwayne a Tyler Lockett blow-up spot a uh, great stat from the always great uh, Hayden Wanks over underdog fantasy the Colts last year led the NFL in uh cover two defensive snaps that they were running and against two high zone defenses last year, Tyler Lockett had the second most yards in the entire NFL actually had. uh, Let's see if I can add this up in my brain. uh, 73 additional yards and 10 catches. Then DK Metcalf against two high uh, zone coverage. So to me, that kind of adds up. We saw that in those Cardinals games, like when teams really go out of their way to try to take, out those, you know, patented moon balls that Russ loves to throw up there. We do see Lockett, you know, tend to be, I, I know he gets plenty of his yards deep as well, but he tends to be the guy I think that truly eats. And as much as Russ is great at enabling both guys, we do see these certain games where it's just one guy getting 15 plus targets, the other one getting only four or five. So either way, man, I mean, we got Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey, both 31 years of age on the outside. I am not scared of this defense. Again, we're going to have a DFS uh, more mind to show on Friday, but if anyone checked out my a quarterback superlative article which you can check out on pff.com for russell wilson i think this could be the you know semi-contrarian tournament stack that could take down a tournament because russ lockett metcalf this was already the most condensed wide receiver wide receiver one wide receiver two uh pecking order in the league last year in terms of combined target share i think this matchup well it's not you know a smash spot certainly winnable and i just think the best version of these guys can take down just about anybody so i have metcalf has my wide receiver eight lock has my wide receiver 17 this week. Get them both in there. Don't be surprised if Russ balls the hell out. Dwayne, we know Jonathan Taylor is going to get his, but anyone else on this Colts offense that you're really interested in week one?
1: You know, the guy I'm just really keeping my eye on is Paris Campbell. Um, Just with T.Y. Hilton being out, um, you're going to have uh, Pittman up, lining up on the outside. I think Campbell's just the guy that's going to get the most favorable looks and he's going to line up inside. Um, it's not a great matchup, you know, uh, from a cornerback standpoint, but man, it's just hard for me to really worry about that too much. When our guys are getting to play in the slot, and they're going to move them all over the place. So I think Paris Campbell is the guy that could be a hot waiver wire ad in week two. Um, you know, he's been hurt the last two seasons, but when you look at his targets per route run over those two seasons, and you put, put that together cumulatively, which you have to, because he's been hurt lot. I mean, it's right at 20%, which is where you want to be for a young player with a, with a chance to ascend. He's also still a former second round pick. He just needs to stay healthy. So Paris Campbell is a guy that I'm definitely keeping an eye on this game. He's a guy that I will, I know this isn't the DFS, the DFS show, but I think he could give you some, um, you know, legit upside, you know, as a sleeper type wide receiver in that format.
0: Big issue with those Colts wide receivers was knowing that there was going to be four of them rotating with T.Y. Hilton out of the picture gives guys like Paris Campbell, a big chance to extend up the depth chart. Love that call next matchup. AFC South battle. We got the Jaguars at the Texans Jaguars opening up and holding still as three point favorites over under is at 44 and a half. I would just say people, I get it. We're facing the Texans here. Like this is the week to start the Jaguars with that said, this offense is implied for a relatively modest 23.5 points. It did take Trevor Lawrence in the first team offense until the third preseason game against the Cowboys backups for them to find the end zone. Look, James Robinson, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones. I think these guys should be in more starting lineups and not don't get me wrong. I would just say, you know, with the passing game, at least we still need to kind of sort out who's going to be a number one target. Who's going to be a number two. And if this is even going to be that much of a pass happy offense uh, to begin with. So cautious optimism, I think would be my main point about this passing game. Now for James RB one son, like this should be an RB one some week. I've made the, my cracks about RB three son this year and this and that, but oh my goodness. Like if you just played nothing but r- running backs against the Texans in 2020, you were likely a wealthy man. I mean, last year, 11 of 16 games, the Texans yielded a top 12 running back against them. The worst performance actually came from Robinson himself, RB 26. Other than that, only Naeem Hines, as an RB 22, finished outside the top 20. This is a smash spot. There's a reason why Derrick Henry runs for 200 yards seemingly every time he faces the Texans. Don't be shocked if Robinson happens to flirt with that number himself. Dwayne, if, if you have something good to say about the Texans, man, I'm all ears because uh, I don't really have any.
1: Yeah, I don't have anything, Ian. I mean, if you've, if you've drafted Brandon Cooks, you're going to play him. That's about it. Um, but there isn't there isn't anything. I want to keep an eye on Nico Collins. I want to see if you know what we've seen in the preseason holds true, meaning he plays more stats than Chris Conley. Um, maybe Nico's got something to his game. But it's just a hard offense to get excited about. Um, if you're looking at the backs, there's four of them. Plus you've got a quarterback that runs in Tyrod Taylor. I could say Tyrod Taylor, you know, could be an interesting, um, you know, play just because of his legs, you know, and you can get him for less in DFS, but obviously in season long formats, we're staying really, really far away from that. And I personally, I I don't have a reason to rank any of the Texans, you know, inside the top 36. Well, I may say that I've got cooks at 29, but if you wanted to bump him out of the 30 out of the top 36, um, I would also be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I am monitoring uh, Tyrod's just Russian usage. We only saw him one week as a starter last year. Only had six carries. I know he was a Russian quarterback in the past, and he uh, will still be a part of his game, but 32 years of age now, I think it makes sense that Taylor isn't quite the same, you know, fancy darling as we saw, you know, at this point, five, six years ago. Moving right along to bigger and better matchups. We got the Eagles at the Falcons, ATL sitting as three-point favorites, over under is at 48 and a half, up from 47. People we are starting Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and fantasy football leagues of all shapes and sizes with Hurts. He had four stars last year, QB 11 QB one QB 12. His worst game was a QB 20, even though he got pulled at the end of the third for inexplicable Nate Sudfeld reasons. We don't need to get into that, but look, even though his passing efficiency was bad and still had two games with over 300 yards, he's going to put up numbers and wins. He's going to put up numbers and losses. That's why Hertz became our prime late round QB. You know, I get it. If you have your Russell Wilson's of the world. And like, for me, I have Hertz, I believe it was my QB eight or QB nine this week. Like there's a certain, tier of top quarterbacks i still think you're going to play over the guy but with that said more lineups than not people hurt should be in there and then in terms of Devontae, i mean we are facing the league's single worst defense and ppr points per game allowed to wide receivers in 2020 like dwayne i think we said it's like a a month or maybe it was andrew but like Devontae smith it would not shock me at all if we're looking at the box score after the game and we see double digit target totals from day one he's healthy travis fulgham is gone like do we think quez Hawkins or Jalen Rager is really going to do anything to the reigning Heisman winner. The guy they just traded up to get a number 10 overall. I don't think so. I have Devonte as my wide receiver 25 out of the gate. I'm not waiting for, to see it with my own eyes. I'm getting on this great matchup in week one, start Devonte Smith before everyone realizes that you should have been doing it immediately. Now, Dwayne, we got the Falcons, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. I know they got some good matchups as well. Mike Davis too. Who do you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, man. It's, well, it's, it's, it's hard to choose, <laughs> you know, I want to talk about all of them, but I think the, the big thing to take away here is, I mean, I think they're all in a great spot. Um, we'll see what Darius Slay looks like. I know um, last year was not a great year, you know, with injuries and everything else for the Eagles secondary, it was really bad. And so I've got Ridley in my top three receivers for this week. Um, I've got Kyle Pitts in my top in my top tight ends, you know, for the top six tight ends for the week. Um, I think Pitts particularly um, gets a pretty easy time, you know, with Singleton Wilson and Avery playing linebacker, it's not really good safety play either coming from the Eagles. I think this will be our chance right out of the gate Ian, to see, do we have a complete mismatch nightmare with Kyle Pitts um and I would expect really to be targeted the most then then Pitts um as far as the running game goes that could be a little bit more interesting um but we'll see I mean you've got a few defensive linemen for the Eagles that are questionable so you've got Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett uh both are questionable um so we'll have to see what happens with those guys but those are two of their better interior or two of their better you know linemen so if Cox plays interior obviously you know Barnett plays on the edge so Davis is a guy that's being drafted, you know, uh, through right now, round five, round six on a lot of volume that people are anticipating. So it'll be interesting to see if he comes through with it. But if you've drafted, if you've drafted Mike Davis, obviously, you know, you're going to play him and I would start him with confidence this week as an RB two, and then we'll just have to see what it looks like after that.
0: Yeah, question is, is he going to be a lead back or a freaking undisputed workhorse? And hey, that's on the table. I mean, last year before the Falcons week 10 bye, Todd Gurley was fourth in the league in total touches. New offense, I know, but the guy that was number one in the league, Derrick Henry, his old coach is now coaching Mike Davis. Not saying they're going to treat Mike Davis like Derrick Henry, but you could imagine. Moving right along, we got the Chargers at Washington. So this opened up as a pick and now we got the Chargers as two-point favorites. Game total holding steady at 44 and a half. I think Keenan Allen could just have a blow-up week here, Dwayne. I mean, last year, if we just look at the games with Justin Herbert, his worst performance was five catches for 48 yards on 11 targets when the Patriots just, you know, completely blanked them and uh, just gave Herbert all kinds of problems. Other than that, and getting rid of, rid of our two injury-shortened games with Herbert under center, at least seven catches in or a touchdown every game. Here his targets in games with Justin Herbert, Dwayne. 19, 19. 13, 12, 11, 11, 11, 11, 10. 7. I I double checked those to make sure I didn't accidentally repeat numbers. Yes. He had 19 targets in two separate (laughs) games. Absolutely ridiculous. He is my wide receiver nine on the week. And that honestly feels a little bit low. Like I just think we could be looking particularly, you know, Washington defense that loves to play, you know, their fair share of zone, you know, with all due respect to William Jackson, that pass rush to me, this just kind of stands out as a week where, Hey, we might look back on Keenan, see that, you know, catch total starting with a one and say, damn, we should have been ahead of that. So I know Keenan, Keenan's, you know, starting in lineups of all shapes and sizes as he should be. But you know, for you DFSers out there, and for those uh, looking at the props, I would not mind betting heavy on Keenan going off in week one. Now, Dwayne, we got a Washington offense that had, you know, Terry Gibson. We had some good parts of it last year. Obviously, Logan Thomas a tied for the overall tight end three. Now we got Fitzpatrick, and there's kind of a new ceiling uh, with the group as a whole. Who you want to, I guess, target here in this not, not easy spot with Joey Bosa and Derwin James, both very healthy at the moment.
1: Yeah. But I think it's, if, if you look at it, it's really Terry McLaurin. <laughs> I mean, this is an excellent matchup. Whenever you look at it across the board, you know, versus the chargers, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick who's now going to be more willing to push the ball down the field. I think that unlocks an element that we know has been there of Terry McLaurin's game, but it's been more hit or miss either because his quarterbacks haven't wanted to push the ball down the field or because they just can't do it with any sort of accuracy. We know that Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he sees the matchup he wants He's going to give McLaurin the green light. They're going to go for it. And I expect him to hit a big play in this game. Um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of them this year, but I think it's going to be out of the gate great. You know, so I, I grade McLaurin, you know, looking at him this week in my top eight receivers, I'm not sure where you have him, but I could see him easily and finishing up in the top three, top four. Um, I agree that it's not like, you know, from a straight up team defense you know, matchup, you know, really for both sides in this, you know, it could be kind of difficult. I think, you know, obviously Washington and the chargers are probably, uh, I think most people are in on Washington now, but the chargers are kind of sneaky good, you know, as well, if they can, they can just never stay healthy, right. We just need the chargers defense to stay healthy and they're going to have a shot to be really good in their division. But I think McLaurin draws, draws a really good matchup and I'm just super excited about getting to see him play um, with Fitz magic.
0: Yeah, I got McLaurin wide receiver 10. I have a feeling we're both a little bit ahead of consensus there, but you are riding a little bit higher. So hat tip to you, my friend. Got a uh, rematch of a pretty fun late season matchup from last year. Steelers at the Bills, Buffalo sitting at six and a half point favorites. Game totals at 48, down from 50. So, you know, a lot of people were finally getting around to treating Najee Harris as the top 12, you know, overall pick that he probably should have been considered from day one. And look, people, if you're one of those, uh, you know, that just drafted last week, said, screw the preseason, I don't care about it, just realize we're about to watch, you know, arguably a top five workhorse from day one, just in terms of total snap rates, you know, hall of fame game. 100% 100% snap rate with the starters. Week one, 71% snap rate. Week two, 94%. Najee was out there pretty much every single snap that Big Ben or Mason Rudolph or Haskins, whoever Pittsburgh believed to be the starter in that specific game. So yeah, I get it. This offense might not be great. The offensive line might not be good. It's funny because these two things basically happened to Le'Veon Bell as a rookie. And guess what? It really didn't matter. 244 carries, 66 targets in just 13 games. He averaged 3.5 yards per carry and it didn't matter. He was a PPR Rb fifteen anyway. So in this spot in particular, man, what's interesting about the Bills and they had that first game against the Chiefs last year where Clyde Edwards Alaire ran for like 160 yards and they couldn't they couldn't stop the run but they didn't want to stop the run. They said, hey. Give, give Clyde the ball 30 times a game to us. That's a win over watching Mahomes homes drop back to pass. So they were the fifth worst run defense in terms of PFF grades last year. But if you looked at just the percentage of rush attempts where they were facing eight plus, I'm sorry, where they had eight guys in the box, they joined the Rams and the Broncos as the three defenses that basically just, you know, refrain from loading the box as much as possible. So the bills again, I don't like saying bad run defenses sometimes because some teams just rightfully in the year 2021 prioritize defending the pass. The Bills are one of those. Either way, it's good news for Najee Harris. And for me, Dwayne, I am as high as already as my RB seven uh, this week. I'm playing them ahead of Zeke, ahead of Eckler, ahead of Chubb. I'm chasing those touches. And even though we could have some efficiency problems moving forward, I don't think that'll be this week. Now, on the other side of the ball, we have a team that, I don't know, maybe we'll see Zach Moss and Devin Singletary combined for like five, six rush attempts if they're feeling crazy, Dwayne. Uh, What you got on Josh Allen? And probably, I'm going to guess the league's single most pass-heavy offense.
1: Uh Yeah, nothing about the running backs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put that way. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Diggs has been, you know, questionable. He's been working back into practice. Um, But... It, everything indicates he'll be, he should be all systems go. Um, I think they've just been you know cautious with him. So he's obviously going to get his, um, but I think this could be a game where you could see Cole Beasley be sneaky and, and really do well, Ian. So if you look at the way the Steelers are built on defense, you know, it's better to try to spread them out. See, my dog agrees. My dog <laughs> thinks that you should spread it out against the Steelers. And when you do that, I think that's where Cole Beasley gets to work in. And so I, I could see a lot of passes coming his way, especially if the game, you know, is a game that, you know, is high scoring. Um, so, So I'm not shying away from any of the matchup. I know the Steelers can be a little bit daunting, but they're not that great in the secondary. So I've got Diggs inside my top five receivers for the week, but I've got Cole Beasley just on the edge of being in the top 36. But it's just one of those whenever I look at the game and I look at how it could go. Um, and we saw these games last year, you know, where Beasley would just have these spikes game, spike games. Now, a lot of them did come whenever one of the other receivers was hurt, right? Whenever you last year it was John Brown instead of Emmanuel Sanders. So that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on um, because it could very easily just be, okay, everything to digs, and then we're gonna kind of evenly spread it out across all the rest of these guys. But if I had to put a chip on somebody, especially in DFS, if I was creating a stack with Josh Allen and I wanted to do something else with Stefan Diggs, it would probably be Cole Beasley. I'll probably cover my, cover my bases both ways. Since you want to say it could be a revenge game with Emmanuel Sanders versus his old team. Um, But Sanders got a little bit tougher matchups, you know, in this one than what Cole Beasley will see from the inside.
0: Yeah. And friends don't let friends forget about that Sunday night game from a couple of years ago where the Steelers tried, decided to guard Keenan Allen with a linebacker in the slot for basically higher <laughs> evening. The
1: Steelers will do that. That's the thing, you know, because they want to stay in that front. I, I don't know how you do it against the bills um, who are going to, like you said earlier, they're going to throw the ball 75% of their plays, 70% of the plays. No, no other team's going to throw the ball more than the bills this season, especially in game neutral situations.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see if they try to do it for their, you know, for their sakes, you would, you would hope not. But no, it's a great point. I mean, we're all going to have Josh Allen's a top five QB. We're all going to have Stefan Diggs, the top five wide receiver. But as you're going through your rankings, you know, you're putting all these other guys up and it's like, wait a second. Josh is going to put up numbers. That means other receivers than just digs are going to put up numbers. Beasley, Manny, even the occasional dart throng, Gabe Davis, you know, yeah. scared money don't That's make- the
1: beauty of using Josh Allen, really, is you can get exposure to other players that a lot of the field, the rest of the field won't use. Again, I know it feels like we're already doing a DFS show, um, which I bowed out of for Friday. <laughs> and Ian's like, What? Well, do I didn't think you want to do a DFS show? Here we are doing a DFS show. Why don't you just do the DFS show? I don't know, Ian. Maybe I'll just do the DFS show. But anyway, um, I I just like that you can get these lower owned receivers as your double stack, right? You could even be really contrarian and you could say, I'm just gonna use Emmanuel Sanders and use Cole Beasley and stack them with, you know, Josh Allen. And if he goes off and both of them catch a touchdown and you use salary elsewhere on, you know, say big running backs, well, there you go.
0: I feel like Beasley and Sanders are probably available on a lot of waiver wires out there, particularly Beasley. I mean, you just saw him flying down draft boards for a lot of reasons that had nothing to do with his actual ability to play football. So I'm not saying you guys all need to be a fan of Cole Beasley, just remember, dude had five games with 100 plus yards last year, played through a broken leg in the playoffs, was anyone's idea of a great, if not the best slot receiver in the league, at least in terms of guys that strictly play in the slot, all due respect to, you know, your goblins and Tyreeks of the world. Enough of that though. Next matchup, we got the 49ers at the Detroit Lions. San Francisco has 7.5 point favorites. Over-under is at 45. Guys, I think the answer to Raheem Moster versus Trey Sermon is just yes. Start them both. Start them all. Last year, you know, hey, credit to uh the, you know. I guess credit to not even, not even credit, but it was too banged up. We didn't know what running back was going to be for the 49ers, basically week in and week out when it was Moster early in the year, the guy was balling the hell out when it was Jeff Wilson later in the year, he was balling the hell out for the first time in seemingly years, we actually have some sense of clarity in this San Francisco backfield for once. So looking at that week three, you know, preseason game where Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback rotation stole the show. What happened? Drive one was all Raheem Mostert drive two was all Trey sermon. Now Mostert pretty much hit the bench with George Kittle. There is a chance that I think this leans fairly heavily to Mostert. But with that said, and you can check out my uh, backfield breakdown article, which will be live on PFF.com. Uh, at the time of this podcast being out so on Wednesday I see it being almost like a 55% 45% split man Shanny's you know obviously not a dumb guy I think they know that Mostert as much as I'm not quite willing to buy into the idea he's just the most injury prone player in the league they're not going to give this dude you know 25 30 touches week in and week out so Mostert sermon I think we're looking at arguably outside of Baltimore you know at least the top 3 most run heavy offense in the league Against the Lions' defense, that I think we can expect to see all kinds of production. Against, they were one of only three units to allow at least thirty PPR points per game last year. To RBs, seven point five point favorites. Like, if you have these guys in your team, this is the matchup you want to start to them. We're favored. I guess a bad run defense. Don't even get me started on Moster in that speed, you know, on the inside uh, indoor track. So Moster Sermon, I think both guys should be in the majority of your fantasy lineups. I get it. We don't have the pass, you know, game floor seemingly for either guy. But people, again, like if there's ever a week where these guys are going to make the most out of 12 to 15 rush attempts, I do think it'll be this one. Dwayne, I'm, I didn't try to, try to uh, saddle you with, you know, the Lions and the Texans and just every atrocious. I, team, it's okay.
1: That's it's how it less talking. talking. I, I have three podcasts today and I don't have to talk as much in this one. It's kind of working out. <laughs> I'm just sitting here taking notes on all the cool stuff that you're talking about. Um, You know, this one's pretty simple. It's TJ Hawkinson season Uh, and and DeAndre Swift. Oh, by the way, everybody, he's fine. He's just fine. So if you got to buy the dip on Swift, you're in good shape. Um, You know, he got down into the fourth round. I saw to slide into a fifth round of a draft this weekend. Unfortunately, I was not in a spot, you know, Ian to be able to take advantage of that situation, but this is really all about TJ Hawkinson. Um, I know, I know everybody's excited about Kyle Pitts. The side of the, I understand why. You know, we just heard about Mark Andrews getting the big contract, but TJ Hawkinson, a 20 and a 21% target uh, per route run rate over his first two years. You know what range that's in? That's in the same range as rookie seasons and second year seasons for a lot of the very best that we've seen, like Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying this guy is Travis Kelsey, but he's the best option on his team. The other thing that held him back last year, Ian, is not even running around, hardly over 70% of the plays. So you're not going to worry about Jesse James and whatever other character from the wild, wild West, which I don't know why they're in Motown because that's not the wild, wild West anyway. Um, don't know why I'm going down this rabbit hole, but, Hawkinson, it's going to, it's his year, man. It's going to happen, Ian. I mean, if he just stays at the 20 to 21% targets per route run and his routes bump from 70% up to 85% or 90%, which I think he's going to push past that 85% mark, which is like elite. Logan Thomas was the only guy um, besides, I think, Kelsey, I'd have to go back and double check to get over 90% last year. But I think that's what we're going to see with Hawkinson because the team has to have it out of him. They've got to have him be their number one option. And so he's going to get to play a lot against linebackers, a lot of zone coverage will not have to deal with man-to-man coverage near as much, um, and te- teams could start to do some things to try to take it away. But if he takes any kind of step forward in his, prog- in his, in his progress, which he did, his first two seasons, you know, his pass receiving grade got better from his rookie season to his sophomore season. His overall grade at PFF got better from his rookie season to his sophomore season. So he's entering into his third season. He should be ascending as far as talent goes. We know that the target's going to be there. He could grow those. And now you get the combination of the routes coming together. I mean, this just could be a blow up season in, and this will be week one of it. Yeah, there's some good linebacker play with the 49ers, but I'll take a good pass catcher against pretty much any linebacker in the league. And, and there's some really good coverage linebackers. But for the most part, if you are a solid option dealing with zone coverage, things like that, teams can scheme to get you open. And we know this is a scheme that comes from the roots of the New Orleans Saints, as well as the Chargers with Anthony, Anthony Lynn, Dan Campbell. So I think you're going to see plenty of work for TJ Hawkinson and Tight end one season for TJ starts this weekend.
0: Like Hawkinson already last year was only one of five tight ends to have triple digit targets. I know he's got a new quarterback, new offense, but he lost his competition. So now when we see the Kelsey's and Wallers, you know, having 145 targets, we could actually see Hawkinson become that pretty clear cut number three tight end in the entire league, just in total raw pass game opportunity. So Dwayne, even if he doesn't get all that much better, which I don't think we should assume he's not going to improve, we're still looking at someone that just based on volume alone, should be able to return consistent top five, if not top three value. Absolutely love it. Next one sneaky shootout. Perhaps we got the Vikings at the Bengals. Minnesota sitting us three and a half point favorites game total about 47. Here we are people, you know, we took Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Kirk cousins for this matchup and for the first seven of them. So what I would say is that while this matchup is, I would say not, you know, my usual like best case, like my 10 out of 10 matchup, I'll use the borderline erotic phrase. I wouldn't go there. We'll say maybe like very good, which is like, you know, a six or seven, but with Trey Wayne's out, man, Eli Apple, it's Adobe uh, Mike Hilton. This is smashable for Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen alike. And I would just point out for cousins, even if this isn't again, like a top five, just best case uh, scenario matchup. Part of the reasoning for targeting cousins with the early streamers wasn't just the defenses. It was the fact that out of these first seven games, basically only two of them combine a bad defense with also a bad offense. We got the Bengals, Cardinals, Seahawks, Browns, Lions and Panthers. Those are the two squads I mentioned and the Cowboys. So, hey, yeah, there's a chance that, you know, that one practice we heard about from the Bengals a month ago is a sign of things to come and they just can't move the ball. Maybe Dalvin Cook gets 30 rush attempts. Kirk only has to throw the ball 10 times. Like that's how it busts. If Burrow and company can just keep this one competitive though, I see the game total flying well above 47 into the fifties. And that's a scenario where Kirk Cousins is forced to pass and accordingly puts up big numbers because he's throwing the ball to two great receivers against, again, at, at best, the below-average secondary. So Kirk Cousins, you know, one of the things I like to look at is just the DraftKings, the DFS pricing. Like, that's why Vegas totals are good. Like, let's see what the sites that have a ton of money on the line, let's see how they rank these players. And you will see Kirk with a top 12, top 13 implied projection already for week one. So cousins, you know, just along there, at Ryan Fitzpatrick, examples of guys that we had ranked far lower in the off season than we do in week one. Realize, you know, we are really doing one mini season every single week here in fantasy football land. Don't be afraid to stream Kirk from day one if you don't have a better option ready available. Now, Dwayne, we got Mixon, Higgins, Chase, Boyd, Burrow, options all over the place. Who you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, man, it's the receivers and everybody knows how much I love Mixon, but I think what we're just going to see is he's going to get all the work and that all the years that he should have been, you know, more like a late second round pick and not an early first or, or sorry, a late first or an early second because of Gio Bernard um, those days are over. He's actually now worth, you know, a pick in the early second to mid-second, you know, of your fantasy drafts. Um, and you're going to see that this weekend. But really what I'm most interested in seeing here, you know, Ian, is Joe Burrow. Um, I'm not going to start Joe Burrow if I don't have to in any leagues, just because I do want to give him time to kind of get up and get things going. Um, I know he's steadily improved, you know, through, uh, you know, if you were reading reports whenever training camp first started, apparently Joe Burrow had never played quarterback before. He was an infant just born yesterday and, you know, put in a cradle in the middle of the pocket it. and there was nothing that could go right for the guy. Um, so I, I'm very interested to watch that matchup, but you have to be excited, you know, for the Bengals receivers, you know, you get to play against, um, you know, it's the artist formerly known, known as Patrick Peter, Peterson. You hate it when these sort of things happen, but I mean, T Higgins, I mean, that's a matchup problem in my mind, you know, for Patrick Peterson. Um, whenever you look at Tyler Boyd getting to work inside, you know, he's always going to get a good matchup. You got Mackenzie Alexander, Jamar chase gets a little tougher matchup with where he's, going to spend the majority of his time with Brashad Breland, but overall, those are all okay matchups. And to your point, I think this is a sneaky, um, shootout type situation. So I think while I am worried a little bit about Burrow and I, you know, I wouldn't want to go out projecting, you know, a 300 yard game, I'm I'm still going to roll with all these guys. You know, if I drafted them, you know, Jamar chase would be the one guy that I may get out of my lineup this weekend. Um, if I drafted, you know, somebody else that I feel really good about because I did go super deep at receiver this year in the way that I approached my teams. So he would be the one I would be thinking about, but I think with Higgins and with Boyd, you've just got to hit the smash play button. And, um, you know, I think you'll be happy still with your results.
0: with the Bengals, i think a lot of people kind of missed throughout the draft process like i don't think anyone was necessarily hyping up these players they're all good but i wasn't trying to say hey you know joe mixon is a legitimate top you know five talent at the running back position as a whole it's always been volume who had more touches than joe mixon before he got hurt nobody who had more dropbacks than joe burrow before he got hurt nobody even if they aren't quite firing at 100 people should have more than enough opportunities to make up for it in the short term Another game that I could see scoring a little bit, although Vegas is going the other direction. We got the Jets at the Panthers. Carolina is now setting up as five and a half point favorites up from four. A lot of, a lot of points for uh, one Sam Donald, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, game totals at 45, up from 43. Dwayne, happy Elijah Moore season. Uh, around Sunday at 3.55, 4 p.m., that will be when our buy low window on Elijah Moore slams shut. So if you still have the chance to go out and get – who could very well be the best wide receiver in this rookie class? Go get him, people! And on DraftKings, like he's three K. Rondale Moore is three K. Terrence Marshall I, it might be three K. as well. All these guys are ridiculously cheap, and I want to be out ahead of it. Again, same thing with Devonte Smith. We don't always need to wait to see this happen. By then, it's usually too late. And for this matchup, man, I just. I don't know how it's going to miss. I understand Corey Davis was getting all the targets, but hey, my big thing from this preseason was like, let's make sure Zach Wilson at least looks the part of someone that can put up numbers, even if he's not going to be, you know, a complete world beater from day one. We saw that and we saw him peppering Corey Davis with, with targets. Now, what did we not see? What did we hear from Jets camp? It was that Elijah Moore before he had a minor quad issue was the best damn player on the field. That is exactly what the athletics Connor Hughes actually was reporting in August. And it was the same takeaway in OTA. So, you know, we got Jamison Crowder on the COVID list. Maybe Keelan Cole is going to be out there. I almost hope Crowder plays through this. So it throws the scent off, you know, a little bit with Elijah Moore. So I'm not even necessarily saying you have to start him this week. I I know maybe a little bit. I was implying that uh, just a little bit harder. He's my wide receiver 50. We do need to make sure he's out there getting the snaps, making sure he's not limited. But I guess it's more about trying to acquire him before this week one or week two blow up. Because again, if even half of what we've heard about this guy being as good as he seems to be, you know, AJ Brown telling him that he's going to be Jerry rice and this stuff after uh, he got picked and all that again, doesn't need to be Jerry rice. If he's somehow just even a percentage of that in AJ Brown's mind, though, Elijah Moore is going to have himself one hell of a year and he has never been cheaper than he has been uh, just over the past week or so. So very excited to see this jets offense in action. And Dwayne it's, I mean, Carolina is going to be fun to watch too. This is going to be one of those games where I think we're going to have a lot of big, potentially be potentially, excuse me, very actionable takeaways as soon as it's over.
1: Yeah, man. Like when I think about the utilization report for next week, like these are two of the teams that I'm the most excited about talking about and looking at. Um, and if you look at Elijah Moore, I I actually finished up an article today, that'll post tomorrow. That's around the top five players you should be trading for before week one happens. Elijah Moore is the number one player on that list. Yesterday, I did a, a column on the top five waiver wires you you should add. And so it was based on an ADP of over 170 um, using fantasy pros in a PPR format. Well, guess whose ADP was under that? Elijah Moore was under it. So he went into the trade article. So thank you for people on Twitter that called me out for saying that, well, how's Elijah Moore not on this list? Because you can't read. And I still love you. And I'm still welcoming of you um, <laughs> you know, into my Twitter feed, but I'm just not going to respond. Um, so if you look at the, the Panthers, I think we've got a similar situation here, Ian. Um, you know, Marshall is actually my cover boy for the waiver wire article that came out today um, as being the guy you want to make sure you own. And the way I look at Terrace Marshall for this season is if you like to chase Claypool last year, you should like Terrace Marshall this year. Last year, Ben Roethlisberger was what? We can ask George Shahiri, our, our, our lovely boss. What would he say about Ben Roethlisberger? Not much good. (laughs) Yeah, actually, we can't say too much because he's (laughs) trying to get in his good graces because you know we don't want Chris, you know, getting in trouble when he goes to see the Steelers and then then, want to talk to him and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, moving along from that, but Mark, that's what Marshall is, right? He's not going to be out there whenever they're in 12 and 21 sets. That's obviously going to be DJ DJ Moore. It's going to be Robbie Anderson. But anytime they're in three wide, he's going to be on the field. And so I think his routes per drop back are going to be in the 65 to 70 percent range. You know who that looks like from last year. Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool was out there about that much. And guess what Claypool was used for? Besides, he did get some of the, the carries inside the five. I don't think Marshall gets that kind of work, but I think this is going to be the player they want to look to the most once they get inside the 20 yard line, especially inside the 10. They're going to use Terrace Marshall a lot this season. So I think Marshall's a guy that while his utilization and his routes per dropback could be lower than what we would want he, the price is still low. So again, he could also be a buy low from a trade perspective. If you've got an owner in your league that already has him, if he's sitting on the waiver wire, you need to go get him because Ian, isn't he just one of those guys that every time you watch him um, and some guys just look like this, you just see it and you're like, man, like this guy's like, just, he's about to explode and you can just tell, like, you can just feel it like in every move they make, even, even just the way they walk or the way they get up after a catch, like Terrace Marshall, like, has, like he's dripping, you know, and just complete, you know, swagger. He's dripping in confidence. And he's just at every level so far through his life, he's shown that he can do this. And now he's destroyed mini camps. He destroyed OTAs. He's destroyed training camp. He's destroyed preseason games. Like he's done it at every, every step of the way. And now we just have a game situation and you know, what's going to happen. And if he goes out there and just catches, you know, three balls for 40, 50 yards, and one of them's a touchdown, it's already too late. And guess what? It could be a bigger week than that. You know, he's a total type of player that could blow up for five catches, 80 yards and two touchdowns in week one. And so the other player that I have probably sneaky high over where most people have, um, the rest of the quarterbacks this weekend is Sam Darnold, and I do love some stacks and DFS of Sam Darnold. Uh, I could also go with, Zach, uh, with the Zach Wilson train on that. There's so many options. This is the, my favorite week of the of the year for DFS because there's there's so many different options um, that you can go with. You can honestly exhaust yourself, but I love some of the cheaper stacks like this. And I know we're we're we are not you know Sam Darnold backers. I know I totally get that, and you can poo poo this whole thing, but I just feel like. Ben was not a great quarterback last year either, and he supported three receivers. Teddy Bridgewater was not a great quarterback last year. He supported three receivers. I think Sam Darnold is good enough to do that, and I'm super excited about Terrace Marshall. If you can't tell,
0: Sam Darnold, man, if he can't do something in this first stretch of the season, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Yeah, I agree. the Saints, the Texans, the Cowboys, Eagles, and Vikings to start. Like I'm, you know, he's going to be just five and zero, thrown for 300 yards a game. And I'm going to be sitting here saying, wait, people, we're not sure yet. We're not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're going to have to stick with that stance. Cause you've, you've digging a very, you know, you, you've digging a deep trench on this, but that's okay. You know, sometimes you, some, with a guy like Darnold, to be honest, like you're better off holding to your priors a little long. We've got a pretty long history here, right? It's not like he just was a rookie last year and had a bad season. And now we're looking at year two, we're looking at multiple years. Um, We do have to give him a little bit of a pass though, just because, and we've covered this before, so we don't have to belabor it, but he 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 was stuck under Adam Gase which has been good for absolutely no one ever on planet earth
0: except Jarvis Landry a little bit
1: no except Peyton Manning you know he made Peyton Manning (laughs) Peyton Manning made that guy so much money I wish Peyton Manning would say something like that about you or me and we just like get an NFL job (laughs) hey go coach this team this guy's awesome that's basically what happened
0: I think he went from the Broncos to the Bears like I'm talking about Adam Gase
1: he did he did And he did did actually okay with Brandon Marshall uh, and um, Alshon Jeffrey. And if you remember uh, Martellus Bennett, Marty B, like those were some good offenses with Jay Cutler back there. So I mean, to be fair, but but they were never efficient office offenses that were, you know, um highly effective. They were great fantasy football offenses. Yeah. they were not good from an NFL perspective.
0: 23rd ranked scoring offense in 2015 for the Adam Gase led Bears. Yeah, man. Like, did you did you NFL people never play the old Maddens where you unfortunately got drafted to the Colts and Peyton's audibleing the damn play 30 times before you <laughs> do we think Adam Gase was in Peyton's ear, like, no, do this, change this. Now look at this. Come the hell on. That's enough Adam Gase slander for one. Maybe it's not enough, but we're going to
1: stop with it. (laughs) We'll stop for now. We'll come back to it later in the season, though.
0: All right, Dwayne. I've said Jets and Panthers and Vikings Bengals could be, quote unquote, sneaky shootouts. This one is the opposite of a sneaky. No sneaky. Just Cardinals at the Titans. Tennessee sitting as three-point favorites. Over-under is at 52. Only matchup higher is Browns Chiefs, which we will get to in just a second. Yeah. I mean, everyone, Kyler. Hopkins, Rondale, even A.J. Green. Like, I, I think you can build a case for him. Just don't forget about Chase Edmonds, people. It seems like he's been falling down the ranks a little bit as the training camp has gone on, and I'm not exactly sure why. We have the goal line concerns. I wouldn't be shocked if James Conner is their, you know, early-down specialist. But really, the only kind of preseason starter snap rates we had was Chase holding a 7-3 to three advantage over Conner. I don't think, you know, Benjamin is going to be involved at all as great as he t- tends to be against, you know, 3rd and fourth stringers. In the preseason, it's not great that Rondale could be soaking up some of Chase's screens. But man, we're still looking at a pass-friendly RB and a potential shootout against a defense that I think anyone would be hard pressed to say uh too much n- nice about it. So, you know, I would say Chase, yeah, just have Chase Edmonds in your lineup this week. This is one of those things where, you know, if you're not playing him in this matchup, I'm not exactly sure when you're playing him. Still a borderline RB2. I'm not saying he needs to be a top 15 guy, but yeah, I just guess uh, you know, based on what we've seen and heard about chase and his usage throughout august i think it's been more of a positive than anything so final point here Dwayne, i'm already pissed off for this moment that's going to happen kylo murray is going to have some stupid great play you know runs around for 40 yards and then launches one or maybe jukes someone out and we're all going to be sitting there going oh i can't wait to see this replay like this is going to be sick and then the camera instead of showing the replay is going to cut the jj freaking watt on the sidelines <laughs> doing something like that so we had to deal with that with the watson for years now unfortunately kyler's gonna be getting his uh great play replays hijacked as well so you know it's not jj's fault it's espn and all these other places just doing this for whatever reason but i'm already mad about it but that's uh, enough of that for now Dwayne, talk to me about the titans and again like it's just hard to say anything bad about really anyone on either side uh, on either offense in this matchup
1: Yeah. I used to have a boss named Robert Alford. um, Really good guy. I'm sure Robert Alford from the Cardinals is also a very good guy. And AJ Brown is very, very excited to introduce himself to (laughs) Robert Alford who probably doesn't cover as well as my boss may have covered. So um, it's AJ Brown season at all times, especially in the heart of household. So I don't think I'm really breaking any news there, but I, I I don't know, man, I don't think I've ever seen in my history of looking at matchups Something so juicy, we're on both sides of the ball. I'm, I'm like, who's gonna cover anyone? Like, like I don't, I don't see anything. Like, it's just, it's like the seas parting. You know what I mean? So, um, when I look at the situation, I, I think it's a great, um, you know, mixture as far as you know what you've already talked about with the shootout. It's obviously part of why the line is so high you're going to start everybody. Um, Julio Jones, you know, it's still questionable. You know, we don't, it's an undisclosed injury, but he's also a guy that's going to receive veteran treatment. So we'll see what happens. We're still really early in the week. Um, But if you draft a Julio, obviously, you know, you're going to be using him. You're going to have him out there. So I'm going to name the other cornerbacks for um, the Cardinals and Marco, Marco Wilson. Do you know who that is? Unfortunately
0: I kind of do, but that's just more of a sad (laughs) than anything.
1: Uh, and then you got, uh, bunting, you got Murphy jr. So, um, Byron Murphy jr. Um, so I, you know, I don't know who's going to cover anyone in like basically, um, when I look at this situation, it's it's, it's, you're going to use all of those receivers. And whenever I look at, you know, my ranks and I'm just double checking them again, because I just did them yesterday. And I'm thinking, do I have everyone high enough <laughs> on the sheet? Yeah. So I got AJ Brown in my top eight, you know, but easily could be number one overall for the week. I actually may need to go bump that back up. Uh, I may need to bump that up. Ian. He probably needs to be in the top three. Like the more I just sit here and think about this matchup. I got AJB seven. Yeah. It's, I'm, someone what seven. Me. What dude, come on. I figured you had him at one. Yeah. I
0: got Julio 12. We got two wide receiver ones
1: coming out. This. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. You got Julio 12. Okay. Yeah. But that's, was- that's, that's strong.
0: Someone added me and they're like, hey, like how come you haven't been tweeting so recklessly about A.J. Brown this year? Is it still AJB wide receiver one season? Of course it is, people. But you all know that this year. Last year, people were drafting him as like a wide receiver 19. Absolutely insane time to be alive. Thank God those days are over. But this quarterback room has looked atrocious all offseason and it took Malcolm Butler retiring for people to really let that sink in. Like if Malcolm Butler was supposed to be the solution <laughs> to your problem, like people, you had the, you had the wrong solution for a long time sometimes uh as the late junior soprano uh once said some people are uh so far behind that they actually think they are winning the race so moving on to again just another straight up shootout we got the browns at the chiefs kc is a six and a half point favorite over under open at 52 and a half and now we are up to 54 and a half so Dwayne, i really hope this is the year we get a week one to now week 18 Cleveland Brown off Cleveland Brown's offense that is just balling. Give us the best because in 2019 we had all this hype. What happens in week one? Tennessee Titans smoke them in Cleveland 2020. Okay. Let's, let's see what happens this year. Coming back. What happens in week one? Absolutely embarrassed by the Ravens. Now going in the arrowhead, you know, trying to stop this blowout streak in week one, obviously not the, it's basically the worst uh, case matchup we could ask for, but Hey, Baker OBJ, you know, Chubb, if these guys are all going to live up to the expectations we've set forth, these are the types of games that not necessarily need to win. I and mean, look, it's very hard to take down Mahomes' and arrowhead. I'm not going to say the Browns are done if they can't win this game, but I want to see a competitive affair similar to what we saw in the AFC divisional round last year. Even before, uh, you know, Mahomes got hurt, it was always at least a two score game, if I'm remembering things uh, correctly. So, OBJ is expecting to be out there. And hey, people, if you got him as your wide receiver four, wide receiver five in those flex spots, I think you're going to be hard pressed to leave him on the bench. Not an easy matchup. The Chiefs have the second best defense and PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers last season. So I get it. If you did, you know, the zero RB of the anchor RB, you might be in a situation where you don't necessarily need to start OBJ from week one on. But I guess this is my last thing for everyone out there. This guy was the PPR wide receiver 19 before he got hurt last year. So if you're doing your ranks and you have OBJ outside the top 30, like he has been ADP for a while just remember a lot of that was just based on hey will he be ready to go for week one healthy enough to suit up he is let's get back to adjusting we're not putting him in the top 10 top 12 just yet but again I think any list of you know the top 20 top 25 fancy receivers without OBJ uh it just couldn't be me let's uh leave it at that Dwayne we got Kelsey, Tyreek, Mahomes, everyone freaking gets it. Top one, if not top two, players at their position. What about Clive? What about Miko? Are there any other these auxiliary pieces you think are going to give us something this year?
1: Yeah, just real quick on on OBJ, you know, from a targets per route run, still really strong last year. So he, this is not a guy that's thirty two. He's not thirty three. He's not thirty four. Sometimes it feels that way because OBJ broke onto the scene, you know immediately, you know, as a very young rookie and had, you know, really huge games, then came on and played the well the next couple of years and started dealing with some injuries. So just, you know, so his targets per route run, they're not quite where they were, like when he was in his peak. So this is from his rookie season on 27%, 26%, 27%, 28%, 25%, 23%, 24%. A really good number is 20. (laughs) He was at 24% last year. And this is the kind of game where they could have to open things up. They're going to try not to because the Browns don't want to have to open it up. They're going to try to play too deep. And That actually brings me to my point about the chiefs. It's going to be interesting to see, How do the Chiefs respond much like the Seahawks you talked about earlier, where you talked about all the targets that Tyler Lockett had against too high. Well, that's because teams played too high all the time against, you know, the Seahawks because they didn't want to let them beat them deep. Once they got after week eight, they were like, screw this. We're not letting Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf score long touchdowns. Well, then teams started getting smart and taking that and applying it over to the way that they played the Colt. I mean, played the Chiefs. So it's going to be really interesting. What that means to me is they need some other element. And if you talk to NFL insiders, they will tell you there's this thing they call the rule of three. You have to have three different ways to attack every defense to really, truly be able to create some sort of mismatch, no matter how good the opposing defense is. And if you look at the Browns, they've got a pretty good defense. They could be the top defense in the league. We do have Miles Garrett is questionable with a hamstring. If they don't have him, that's really going to hurt. Like You couldn't ask for a worse injury on opening day whenever you're playing against the Chiefs than to have Miles Garrett not be available. So that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. But that third element, look, I don't think it's going to be Miko Hardman. I just don't think it is. And I think we've seen enough at this point. You and I, I think, have been trying to be very kind to Hardman this preseason. I know from a volume perspective, we do expect more routes, but the more we saw in preseason, they didn't want him out there in twelve. They don't want him out there in twenty-one personnel. So anytime they mix things up, they're taking him off the field. Despite Sammy being gone and really Tyree Kill being the only other player, they're favoring Demarcus Robinson in that situation. That's just a bad sign to me. Like if Cole's going to take a step forward, like he should be able to own all that work. Now you could argue that he's a terrible run blocker, which he is. He weighs about twelve pounds. He weighs slightly more, more than the newborn baby that we talked about. It was Joe Burrow earlier laying in the fetal position in the pocket to begin training camp. Um, so. Back. <laughs> yeah so when you look at the situation i think the third element for the chiefs has to be the running game i know eric eager and all of our super smart people way smarter than us are like gonna they're gonna if they ever listen to this like steam's blowing from their ears but i think it could be edwards Alaire in the passing game underneath and i i've, I've That's where my head's starting to go at this point. Now, Mahomes is not someone that likes to check it down. I don't think you're ever going to see Edwards-Alaire be 20% of the targets. But I think they could run the, the ball a little bit more with him, get him the ball a little bit more underneath. To, to help just loosen things up a little bit. And then you use Nicole more as just a guy that helps run off coverage. You can hit him deep sometimes. Um, he's really good still at hitting those big kind of plays whenever you give him the right look, because once he's running and if you don't get a jam on him, like he's gone. But the problem is, once a team knows they have to pay attention to him, they can take him out of the game. So I'm super excited to see what happens with Edwards Alaire. Again, as far as like the utilization report stuff goes, this will be a team. Um, I'll be elated to look at next week because I want to see like what is Jarek McKinnon gonna do? What's Daryl Williams gonna do? We saw in the first preseason game before Ed, or in the second preseason, I second may have been third, but Edward was out there getting to do everything. And then he hurt his ankle. And right now he's still technically questionable for this week, although all indications that he's going to be fine. And it was an inside ankle sprain. Um, so apparently he avoided the high ankle sprain, which is like the worst case scenario, which is what he dealt with, you know, last year as well. Um, so Edwards Allaire is the guy that I'm the most excited about Ian. And I'm really excited for next week to come back and be able to say, look, here are all the roles that he has. Hopefully he gets the long down and distance. If he could just at least get the two minute offense, in addition to the first, most of the first and second down work, you're talking about, you know, a top 12 RB that you've been getting in the late second, early third round. If you're playing in a 12 team league, even in a super sharp leagues, like the one Ian and I drafted in the other day. Now you could argue that wasn't super sharp since the guy next to us took 27 running backs in 10 rounds, but most of you have been getting a discount on Clyde edwards And so that's the player I'm the most excited about looking at Ian.
0: Clyde touches in six games before they added Levy on Bell last year. 25, 16, 25, 19, 13, and 34th in the league in total touches before they added bell. Yeah. And, and you know, that was on 60, 70% snap rate. Like if we see them just say, Hey Clyde, you're the guy, here's 80% snaps every single game. Yeah. Top five, top six, where we were ranking him last year in the preseason, all of a sudden won't look that crazy in the year 2021. Only other thing I'll note pretty crazy streak we got going on Travis, Kelsey, 11 straight games with at least seven catches. Uh, keep right. on keeping on Travis. Hopefully Denzel war can redeem himself a little bit. In this one, because he got put in a blender in that divisional round game last year. Look, great players against great players. One of them has got to win. I get it. Uh, But, you know, that was pretty bad.
1: Tyreek Hill doesn't care who's covering (laughs) them. He Just sucks
0: up. <laughs> oh man, one hundred All right. We got five more of these dolphins at the Patriots. New England Center is a three-point favorite game total at 43 and a half down from 45 and a half. So with the Dolphins, I don't have a ton here right now, Dwayne. We've been hyping up Jalen Waddle all offseason. And I think he is a rock solid upside wide receiver three from day one. It's still a tough matchup for him, even with Stefan Gilmore sideline. I guess I'm just worried about Tua, you know, going up against this Patriots defense that miraculously was still seventh in scoring uh, against last year, despite having to deal with like really more opt-outs than just about anyone. So again, I don't want to understate Gilmore being out because he is probably one healthy, you know, for my money, number two cornerback in the league, probably behind only Jalen Ramsey. It's just, you know, we've seen what Belichick does to young QBs again and again and again, even if two on company are going to take big steps forward this year, I just wouldn't be surprised if it's not in week one. So Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, Salvin Ahmed, like, Dwayne, you said it perfect on uh, Twitter about this situation. Like, great, Gaskins, the projected leader. That's not what we signed up for when we ranked him as an RB2. Like, we were looking for him to be the outright workhorse, not a guy playing 50% of the snaps while two other guys soak up the remaining 50%. So maybe he is going to be a 70% guy. Either way, again, I'm just inclined to really wait on this. They're implied for the fifth fewest points on the state. On the slate, this is just not the environment we really want to be targeting when trying to get bunches of fantasy points. So Waddle, perfectly fine flex. Otherwise, you can mostly miss me with this one. Do you feel kind of similar about the Patriots, uh, you know, except for Waddle, Damian Harris, Dwayne? I just don't see a bunch in that side of the ball that I'm super excited about.
1: Yeah, I don't have much I'm excited about. I think if you drafted Damian Harris, especially if you went heavy on the receivers early, you're going to use him um, and that's going to be fine. But I just, I, I don't know what this offense is going to look like. And my concern is we may not ever know. I think it could be very just spread out. And if it's not a good offense, which we also don't know yet, like it could be an average to bad offense. Like we're talking about a rookie quarterback. Not all of them get to come in, you know, and be great. I know we've become spoiled with some of the rookie uh, quarterback performances that we've seen in recent years. But I think this could be a rough season for Mac Jones. Now, he could also come out and be really great. And we'll have a different opinion, you know, coming the next week because the Dolphins do have a good defense. They look to be pretty healthy. Um, Jacoby Myers, you know, if you're in a league where you have to start three receivers and a flex, you know, and maybe you went light on running back, he may be good enough to squeeze into your flex spot. You know, um, in a PPR type format. If it's a standard format, I'm staying 100 away from Jacoby Myers. You know, this week, but I'm I'm just interested to see how it works out. You got Hunter Henry is questionable still with a shoulder, so we'll see what happens with that. Nikhil um, Harry uh, was put on IR, so it's it's narrowed down a little bit. But I'm still just I, I'm not sure Ian, It's like you got Hunter Henry, you got John R. Smith, you got Jacoby Myers, you got Nelson Aguilar. It's like you just you got all these different parts and it's a really good defense that you're going to be playing against. And as a rookie quarterback in his first game. So yes, I'm with you. It's more of a fade for me in this situation. I'm not even looking to take any punt plays from this game for DFS purposes. I'm just staying away.
0: Next game is another one that's just pretty ugly on both sides of the ball. Broncos at giants. We got Denver now sitting as a three and a half point favorite opened as just a one point favorite game total holding steady at 42 with the Broncos like Judy Sutton. I get it. I think both guys deserve to be considered upside wide receiver threes this isn't an easy matchup though. I'm anticipating James Bradbury tracking Sutton for most of the game and probably a Dory Jackson going, uh, you know, mano a mano with Jerry Judy out there. And look, I think great offense beats great defense in today's NFL and all that. I'm not saying you need to fade these guys because of shadow matchups, just kind of keep it in mind as, you know, more of a ceiling tool. Like, you know, when Alan, we'll get to Alan Robinson, Jalen Ramsey, like when I see a guy facing a top cornerback, I don't just say like, oh, forget everything we've ever known about this wide receiver. They can't get yardage here i'm just you know managing expectations and in season long start your damn studs people be useful tiebreaker but most of the time just start those studs so judy sutton you know you probably drafting them as you know unless you're in your your 18 league or something like that probably drafting them to be there be a starter you shouldn't feel too bad about going to that out of the well the big question is javante williams i have him right now as my rb 26 and it's just a little bit more like hey this has the single lowest game total of the week at 42 giants d Defense is solid and just, yeah, similar to Dolphins Patriots game. I don't know that this is the week I want to be making many leaps of face. So, you know, Dwayne, I can't wait to get utilization report next week. And I'm going to go right to the Broncos to find out what we have in Javante. Because again, the fact they rested him in preseason week three is huge, but it also could make sense that, hey, that he showed what he could do the first two weeks. Melvin Gordon was slow to come back with an injury. They just wanted to get him some run before week one. So we'll see. At least Royce Freeman is now a member of the Carolina Panthers. So at a minimum, I think we're looking at a two back committee, which we can take, you know, not too many single back workhorses these days we can live at two back committees. So Javante, Judy Sutton, you can start them. I just say, you know, don't feel too good about it just yet. And also final note is that Noah Fant, who was dealing with the lower leg injury is fully expected to suit up this week. So Noah Fant, I think should be anyone's idea of a top eight, top nine tight end going into this matchup. Dwayne, Giants, which means what's up with Saquon Barkley.
1: Yeah, man. It's so far. It sounds good. He's still questionable, but it's trending towards, you know, playing. I mean, something you're just going to have to watch through the rest of the week, but if he plays, I mean, I want your thoughts on it, Ian, but if he plays and you drafted him in the late first early second round, I mean, I'm starting him. (laughs) Uh, I mean, number one, the way I built a lot of my rosters um, I didn't take a lot of backs, you know, from then on, you know, until I got to more of the mid late to the late rounds And so I'm going to be using Barkley now. If you happen to be someone that's got multiple options and you play in a three-person league, and you can start, say, you can put Saquon Barkley on your bench. Well, then you go ahead and do that. But I mean, I'm going to use him. Um, I'm not expecting, you know, a huge game out of him. I do expect them to limit his workload, you know. So I think we could see maybe. 50, 60% of what we would normally see as far as carries and attempts, all those sort of things. It can even be a little bit less than that again. But if, if Saquon's on the field and there's a chance for him to break a long play to do the types of things that you drafted him for, because he is so explosive, catch a few balls out of the backfield, even if it's just him getting comfortable, I think in a PPR format, you know, you're still, you're still going to see a floor of like 10 to 12 points and you can get a big play out of it. Right. And then all of a sudden you get 20 points, even on a light workload. Now they come out and all of a sudden, maybe they've just protected him all this time. And he's going to handle 60, 70%, you know, of the workload. And in that case, then 60 to 70% of Saquon Barkley is still going to be better than, you know, most of the other backs in the league, once you get outside of like the top 15 or so. So I'm going to be using Barkley. Um, Obviously again, like I said, pay attention, you know, keep an eye on what's going to be happening, you know, with him in the news, make sure that he's going to be on the field, all that kind of stuff. Um, As far as the rest of the giants go, I mean, you kind of gave me another easy one. The only other player that I would consider from this, um, you know, team right now, I'm staying away from Kenny Galladay. You know, there's no rapport right now between him and Daniel Jones hasn't been able to get back to practice until last week. Still listed as questionable. And then you have um, Darius Slayton, I guess, maybe as a DFS play, but I just don't like the matchup really. Whenever I look at what I'm dealing with, you know, from a cornerback perspective against the Broncos and just the Broncos defense overall. Um, But Kenny Galladay, I'm staying away from the one player that I would use um, potentially would be Sterling Shepard. If you drafted him, Um, Shepard could easily get, you know, Eight, nine, 10 targets in this game. He really spiked over the last two years. You know, he's been over 25% targets per route run. Daniel Jones really does love Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard could just never stay on the field because he gets hurt and he misses time. But when he's out there, Daniel Jones really does love him. So, with I think a shaky Galladay um, with a decent pass rush from the Broncos, shaky offensive line from the Giants, I don't think you're going to see a ton of deep passing. I think that um, Sterling Shepard is the one player that I would be willing to use. And that would be more like as my flex and a wide receiver three, you know, format, you know, so say you are starting two running backs, three receivers, and you've got a flex spot and it's a PPR Sterling Shepard, you know, I would give him a tiebreaker over some other receivers um, for this week.
0: Where do you have Saquon ranked specifically? I came out originally had him RB 14. I bumped him down a little bit and I, I got my RB 16.
1: Yeah. Hang on. Let me pull it back up. I've got Saquon right now. I've got him at 14. So okay. we're in the same, we're in the same ballpark. Thanks spot. Awesome. Good yeah. to hear. Always. In if field. you drafted him, it's just one of those things you're starting. You're, you're starting him, you know, unless you went, you know, ignored all advice, you know, from us on how to draft and you drafted like five running backs in a row. Well then, okay. I guess is that, this is that moment you've been waiting for. You can bench (laughs) Barkley. (laughs) Congrats people. Saquon Barkley's
0: on your bench. You feel better now. All right. Packers (laughs) at Saints, Green Bay. Five-point favorites now open that two-and-a-half game total at 50. Yeah, you know, we'll see. Do we just get another year of a pissed-off Aaron Rodgers, you know, saying to hell with your regression stats, I'm just going to throw Devontae Adams 150 yards and two touchdowns a game, and we'll see Tonya and MVS and these other guys bowling. Maybe in this matchup. We got Marshawn Lattimore, who I think, you know, when these number one cornerbacks are good enough to like <laughs> a shadow matchup, I give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, even when they get toasted. Yeah. You know, maybe Lattimore's going to lose out to Devontae Adams, a lesser cornerback wouldn't be asked to guard him in the first place. So that's all I kind of say about that. You know, they're going to go off Robert Tunyon as someone that a lot of people are expecting, you know, regression out of, because how can you be that efficient again, two years in a row, uh, still anyone's idea of a top 10 tight end uh, going this year. The big question is Aaron Jones. Can we get him to have, that just heavy receiving workload that wasn't there last year. So when Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were both active, Jones had 288 routes and 68 targets, Williams 175 routes and 28 targets. So Jones was the primary receiver. We know that's going to happen, but is Dylan and Jamal just going to be a one-for-one replacement or is Jones really going to take a lot more of that receiving work? Because to me, that's the difference between Jones being a consensus week in, week out, top five back, not saying he can't do that already. I have him as my RB five this week, but that's going to make it a hell of a lot easier than if we need him to continue to get by on a lot of touchdowns as well. So we'll see. I would point out people. It is a little comical to me that we have Aaron Jones facing the number one ranked defense and PPR points allowed to RBs from last year. And you know, there's stud tackle David Bakhtiari is unfortunately still on the pup recovering from ACL. So, you know, pretty much the same factors that a lot of people are fading and not maybe not fully fading Ezekiel Elliott for, but at least, you know, ding him heavily let's remember you know don't ding one running back for uh, something and then completely ignore it in your evaluation for another back so aaron jones i'm hoping that we come back and see you know an 80 plus snap rate on the passing downs in particular and then we can really you know just go for the moon moving forward so Dwayne, talk to you about the saints and before that though just note breaking news on the pod latavius murray has been released meaning it might just be Tojo season. And by that, you know, like he'll back up Kamara and get a handful of touches per game.
1: Yeah. But man, if you, if you did draft Tony Jones um, and it's something that I definitely had outlined in the strategy article, like you're feeling really great. So one of my most owned players, I'm very excited. This is great news. I think, I think I already said this the other day on a pod. I told you, Ian, don't you remember? I think I was like, man, Latavius Murray might be a surprise cut. Yeah. I think he did. Like, like, it's just, uh, it's just, man, it just had that feel, you know, with it. And Sean Payton's one of these guys that, man, he can get a lot out of guys that we never knew anything about. And so the other guy we need to talk about here is Marquez Calloway. Like he's going to be Jameis Winston's number one option in this game. He's not going to have a great matchup. He's going to have times where he's going to have to line up, you know, against you know one of the better corners in the league. Whenever you look at, you know, the way that the, uh, you know the Packers handle their handle their coverage, so you got you've got. Um, sorry, jair Alexander, is who I'm talking about, but Traquan Smith is questionable for the game. Um, most likely, sounds like he will play. But it's just a situation where I feel like, you know, I saw enough. I know it's one quarter of preseason football, but the drumbeat has been beating slowly for Callaway all offseason. Um, had a great offseason program, came in and did great in OTAs and mini camps. You get to in training camp, he does great. And really, it was just a crescendo, Ian, whenever we saw what he did in the first quarter with Jameis. And they basically said, look, we're just going to go win this job right here. Taysom Hill, you can go away. This is going to be Jameis Winston. Um, this is going to be Callaway coming together. They're going to make sweet music. And if you watch that game, and we talked about it a little bit already, you know you don't want to overrate in just a few plays but those were really those were special plays that he made um and so i i fully expect callaway to jump right out of the gate i don't even i'm not that worried about his matchups i've got him at number th- 36 in my rankings for the week um which is i don't know if i haven't even checked to see where that stacks up against the rest of our um you know experts so i don't know where consensus is um, my guess is versus really the rest of consensus non-PFF. I'm guessing that's pretty high, but that's how confident that I feel about Marquez Callaway as the top option, undisputed until until uh, Michael Thomas comes back, which we that's at least you know until week seven before that even happens. And by then, there could just be so much chemistry between him and Jameis that it won't matter, and it'll really be about spreading the ball around between three targets. Um, you guys don't even need me to tell you about Alvin Kamari. You know I, you know he's good. And again, Tony Jones. If he's available on your waiver wire, you need to go pick him up right
0: now. Go get him. Yeah. Kamara about to go full God mode for 17 games now. I have Callaway, wide receiver 42. So we're right there. Uh similar range for sure. And yeah, man, I, I like to envision that when it came time for Peyton to announce, you know, Jameis as a starter, like there's they were just having some regular QB meeting and Peyton walks in and just like, Taysom, let's go ahead and go back to the tight end room now. Like we we've had our fun here, but time for you to get out of here. All right. Two more Sunday night football, Chicago bears at the Los Angeles Rams Rams seven and a half point favorites over under at 46. Oh, I was going to mention this real quick in the last game. I don't think Jair Alexander is going to shadow Callaway because he stopped shadowing it last year after week seven. They like to keep him on one side of the field. Like a lot of NFL teams do just as the Rams did with Jalen Ramsey for bunches of the year. Now, they didn't necessarily leave him on one side of the field. Brandon Staley did a great job moving Ramsey all around the field. Slot, if it was a number one receiver they wanted to shadow, they would do that. That's why it's so exciting to see what he's going to do with a similarly versatile piece like Dermon James over with the Chargers. But don't fade Allen Robinson because you think Jalen Ramsey's going to be on him. Last year, Ramsey only tracked D.K. Metcalf, Mike Adams, Mike Evans, Mike Adams, and Devontae Adams on the season. So Robinson, when he played in this game, he caught all four of his targets for 70 yards, one of which was a good 40-yard catch down the sideline that he put a nice double move on Jalen Ramsey. But yeah, this was not... Robinson versus Jalen Ramsey the whole game. How do you guys think we got the infamous, you know, Darnell Mooney to- torching Ramsey on that double move? It's because Ramsey wasn't tracking Robinson. So not an ideal matchup. You know, if you're in that six-man league and you have four top 15 wide receivers, okay, maybe you're not starting Robinson. Otherwise, get him out there. Similar sentiment for, you know, Dave Montgomery. I'm really interested to see how Damian Williams is used. You know, my guy Cordero Patterson. I love him. I could say a million nice things about him. Unfortunately, he hasn't earned enough trust from coaching staffs to be a consistent, you know, number two running back. So he was used much more as a gadget. We could see Damian Williams be a legit RB two, get us a little closer to that Montgomery three Cohen split, which would not be good for D Mount owners. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, people Montgomery Robinson, these are guys with enough volume to boom, despite a tough matchup. So hopefully, you know, we see a uh, Tom Savage to Sean Watson situation. Dalton takes six sacks in the first half and fields is out there sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, until that happens, we're going to have to, you know, look elsewhere at, at QB Dwayne, give me some
1: LA goodness. Yeah, man, super exciting game to watch. I want to see what's what the impact Stafford's going to have on the offense. My guess is we're going to see a a similar offense to what we saw before, but everything's going to be one to two yards further down the field and all these different route combinations. And it's going to be a big week for Cooper cup and for Robert Woods. So Cooper cup is going to mainly line up against Duke Shelley. I know you don't know who that is. Neither do most people. Then you have Robert Woods, who's going to be lining up against Kendall Vildor. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Ian, to be (laughs) honest, I need to go find like some film somewhere where I can hear the announcer announcer actually say his name. You probably heard his name and you can probably say it right but i was looking at this before the show and i was like i don't even know who this person is i'm like it's like this it's like the, the remember the show major league they're putting their team together and it's like who are these guys that's like that's like what's going on right now this guy's dead the Bears. <laughs> this guy's dead I, that was a line. i think this guy's dead <laughs> too high. What do you mean too high? Who gives a shit? It's gone anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, when you look at the Rams, I'm super excited. I mean, cup is going to have his way. Robert Woods is going to have his way in this game. The only question is, can the bears offense really be good enough with the Andy Dalton, the red rocket under center? Can they, can they do enough to really make the Rams have to get it out of any sort of comfort zone and keep their, you know, keep the gas pedal down. I don't know that the answer is yes to that, especially against a good defense like the Rams. So I think this, this, I think this is a, a decent size victory for the Rams at home for me personally with Andy Dalton under center. Um, you know, maybe the bears defense can do something heroic here, but I, I love the the receivers for the Rams. Um, as far as the utilization stuff goes, man, I cannot wait another one. Like, dude, I'm so excited for this weekend again. Like I'm not gonna be able to sleep. Like I'm already thinking about it all the time. Um, what is the usage going to look like for Sony Michelle, And Daryl Henderson, like, what is that going to look like? And is Tyler Higby going to finally get to be somebody that gets to be out there for 80% of routes? I really think Higby is the answer for being the third target on the team. Now, they do like him as a guy they like to keep in and block. So, is he going to continue to get more of that Chris Herndon treatment or are they going to finally treat free Tyler Higby? Because we've seen in the past, when you free Tyler Higby, good things can really happen. So, if that's a player that you've been taking a shot on, you know, and say around eight, nine, 10 of your drafts because you waited on tight end, we'll have more information for you next week on Tyler Higby. I have him in my top 10 though this week, Ian. You know, I mean, he's been being drafted as top 10. And I just feel like with Gerald Everett moving on, I think they are going to get him the opportunity to do more. The passing game. Really what killed him last year was when they would get third and long, they would keep him in to block or take him off the field and they would use Gerald Everett. And that was kind of the way they kept Gerald Everett happy and giving him a role was like, oh third and wrong, Gerald Everett, you get out there, Tyler, come hang out, you know, take a break. Well everybody knows what is third and long? It's a passing down every town, every time. So it's not something you want to lose if you're a receiving weapon. So that's the thing I'm going to be keeping an eye on for Tyler Higby. My expectation is that he stays on the field in those situations. And that's going to keep him in the tight end one conversation potentially pushing up, you know, towards, you know, right below the top six, if he is in that 75, 80% route range that we're hoping that he gets.
0: Just in my usual practice of breaking NFO news happens, I correctly get them on my fantasy team. And then I tell my friends, Hey, you know, sorry, you messed up in my league because you play with me, but go help yourself the rest of the way. Dwayne, we have reached the final matchup. Ravens at the Raiders, Baltimore, four-point favorites game total at 50 and a half. I'm tempted to go Lamar Jackson, QB1. I did not know there were so many Raiders fans out there with uh, opinions that this might be a good defense, but half-jokingly tweeted last week, can't wait for Lamar Jackson to score eight touchdowns on Monday Night Football. I got a lot of flack. People. Like that, it could actually happen. I think Lamar is almost like underrated at this point, and people want to just throw out the 2019. We can't do that. So, looking at the last two seasons, here are the guys with more passing, more games with three plus passing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins. That's it. He's tied with Breeze. He's tied with Mahomes. 11 games with three-plus passing touchdowns, and, of course, the rushing is what we're here for. And last year, people, Lamar Jackson was 14th in total fantasy points from purely rushing production. Lamar Jackson, as a rusher, was more productive than Ezekiel Elliott and J.K. Dobbins last year, which is absolutely ridiculous, particularly on the Zeke side of things. So, Lamar, he's out there, arguably the QB one. I can't wait for the blow up. The receiving room, you know, we know we can pencil in Sammy Watkins for 180 yards and three touchdowns. Other than that, it's going to be a little bit of a tough feel to get on. I would say just you know, fade the group for now. Mark Andrews is r- really the winner. And you know, him getting that contract uh was great to see as well. And yeah, you know, Gus Edwards, and that's another situation where Dwayne, we were a little bit I, at least I was a little bit lower than him on some other guys. But hey, until Le'Veon, until Freeman, until someone else gets added, it's looking better than ever. Because to me, losing Justice Hill was significant. The last time we saw Gus without Dobbins. And without Mark Ingram, he got out touched by Justice Hill. So I understand Tyson Williams had already seemingly taken over number two spot from Justice, but either way, man, like you can't craft a better training camp for Gus Edwards in terms of, you know, newfound opportunity. So Gus Edwards, you know, I have him top. I have him right behind Saquon Barkley. I refuse to rank Gus Edwards ahead of Saquon Barkley too much, man. I won't do it, but he is right there next to him and he should be in fantasy football lineups of all shapes and sizes. Dwayne, anything on the Raiders other than start Darren Waller and just watch the fantasy points trickle in?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the best advice that you can give. Um, Just so folks know, and it could just be because, you know, we're still six days away, but Josh Jacobs um, didn't practice today. So um, he's been held out. So just kind of keep an eye on that. If you own Jacobs and maybe you waited a while on drafting your second RB and Jacobs was your guy, Something you want to watch because it is a Monday night game. So you're going to need to have a backup plan. But as far as the receivers go, again, just more something, Ian, that I'm super excited about seeing what does the utilization look like? Because you've talked about it multiple times. You've got Brian Edwards, um, you've got Henry Ruggs, who both basically been held out, not basically have been held out all of the preseason. Now, so is most of the Raiders' offense, but at least they're considered to be part of the starting re- offense for the Raiders, right? Which is a good thing. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like, see what, see how they're used. Is rugs gonna be Continue to be used as a field stretcher? And it, are they going to use, you know, Edwards really more in the intermediate and underneath or? Are like some of the reports from camp have it as maybe those roles are flipped. Maybe they're going to try to get rugs more into space and let him do some run after the catch stop. And they're going to let Edwards be the true X and stretch the field vertically. So it'll be interesting. There is room here though. Ian, we did see Nelson Aguilar post a very nice season last year. And I think you could argue that we might be excited about the talent for both of these players, you know, as having a potential upside being better than even in what we saw with Aguilar. Now rugs really struggled last year. I specifically remember watching one game. I don't know if you saw this one, Ian, but it was against the Bills. Rugs is running outside. And Derek Carr looks over at him and literally like as he's running and rugs is looking back at him. He goes, I need you on this one, Henry. Henry didn't deliver, folks. But um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny because sometimes, you know, the audio that it picks up, especially last year, if you watched a lot of the games, because there was nobody in the stands, you could hear everything that these players were saying from the field mics. It was pretty awesome to get to hear that, but something you probably normally wouldn't have picked up. But I need you on this one, Henry. So we'll see, you know, if Henry can come through this year. So uh, none of these players, though, that I would be using outside of Jacobs, you know, as an RB2, RB3. And even then, I'm not super crazy about it. You got a pretty tough matchup. You got a tough, Defensive line um, for the Ravens. They're pretty stingy whenever it comes to running the ball against them. So, not something like I'm going, diving headlong, getting excited if it's a player that I didn't draft. So, if I'm talking DFS, things like that, not very excited. So, um, yeah, that's it on the Raiders. Dwayne,
0: 16 games up, 16 games down. We got 17 more of these shows, but thought we came out well. I know you're a busy man. You're about to go on the couch with friend of the podcast, Sigmund Bloom. Make sure you all check that out. Dwayne's also got the famous utilization report, which will be out next week. But Dwayne, let the people know uh, what else you got on pff.com this week. Then you can bounce. And when I give a kind word to our sponsors.
1: Yeah, man. Um, so this week's been, you know, really focused on trying to wrap everything up before your, the season starts. So Monday, um, drop the top waiver wire ads, or sorry, it came out yesterday, the top waiver wire ads for the season. Um, Tomorrow we'll drop the top players to trade for. The next day will be the top players to trade away. Obviously going to have, um, my rankings are already up on the site um, for all of the scoring formats. I'm going to actually put an article form tomorrow. I'm going to break all of those rankings down into tiers. Um, at least for PPR, I'm trying to figure out like how I'm going to work this process for the rest of the year, to see if I can do that for all of them, but I'll add notes in there at a minimum. I'll say, here's your adjustment for standard. Here's your adjustment for half PPR. But really want to try to do something more like what we do before the season, which is each week breaking players down into tiers. And then that can actually be something that could be helpful, um, not just for picking your starting lineups, but as you think about DFS and things, think of things about, about things, other things like that, and different ways that you can use the information that hopefully that will be helpful.
0: Great stuff, Dwayne. As always, can follow Dwayne on Twitter at Dwayne McFarlane. Send SIG my kindest regards and good luck, my friend. And people, if you have not already, I just invite you to please check out a PFF subscription because we are offering 30% off a promo code KICKOFF30. For $7, you can get access to PFF's Fantasy Football Draft Guide, player rankings and projections, all of PFF's locked article content, cheat sheets for your fantasy drafts, and more. I know some of you maybe just draft your team. We don't pay as much attention to it. Screw that. The game has just begun, and we got to continue to grind as the year goes on. Dwayne and I are going to be here doing it every single day, and you can do that much quicker than every single day with this subscription. Again, kickoff 30 $7, people. Like, that is ridiculous. $7. I'm going to go spend double that at my local Chipotle once we're done here. So great stuff there. Code kickoff30. And also, people want to give a friendly shout-out to our sponsor, Manscaped fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time to put the PP back in PPR League with the sponsors of today's show. Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, just launched a new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff. Going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code PFF. This will help you tame that Troy Polamalu in your pants. (laughs) Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0, trimmer, weed whacker, ear, and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. I mean, we have everything, people. The performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker. It's like having Derrick Henry run through those tough nose and ear hairs. That's going to scar me for life. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. If your significant other is nagging you about how much time you put into your fantasy team, you might as well gift them some beautiful balls with Manscape. Also, people want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is free. Fantasy Football League Manager is the most customizable, easy-to-use, and feature-rich platform in the entire industry. PFF is going to have to play our leagues on Fantrax this season. If you're coming from another site, no problem at all. Fantrax can support import any of your current leagues completely free. Create a free account now using promo code PFF at Fantrax.com slash PFF. you get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league. Plus six grand. I mean, I look, we get these cool deals with the sponsors and I think they're all great. I love all you sponsors, but guys, six grand and a trip to any regular season game for your entire league. Like that is, you know, objectively the best deal I've heard with this. So promo code PFF fan slash PFF, just start a fantasy league and hopefully you win six grand and some tickets. Like to me, that's worth it in and of itself. Again, promo code PFF at fantracks.com slash PFF. And finally, people fire up your tailgates. The NFL is back in on the action before opening night kicks off a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving all customers the opportunity to participate in this year's no brainer offer. They have moved the spread to Tampa Bay plus 73. For all customers, so barring a Cowboys seventy-four point victory, you will be good. And if you haven't tried DraftKings yet, don't miss out. DraftKings is giving new customers two hundred dollars in free bets instantly when they bet one dollar more on any football game. As always, people are called to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF BET. New customers bet one dollar on any football game to receive two hundred dollars in free bets instantly with promo code PFF BET. P-F-F-B-E-T, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Free bet promotion for new customers, only minimum $5 deposit. Max wager limits apply. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF fantasy football podcast. We'll have new episodes every single day throughout the season. How about that grind life? Got to love it Uh, on Thursday's edition. Going to have my dear friend and Roto world, uh, just overall baller NBC sports edge. Probably got to stop that gimmick at some point. John Daigle will be on the show. Very excited about that on a Thursday, you yeah, know that's, that's a Thursday show. On Friday, this could be myself and Andrew Erickson. Who you guys have heard here plenty of times going through some DFS goodness. Saturday will be myself, Dwayne, and Andrew going through some of the injuries that happened on Friday, and the trio will be back together on Sunday mornings for a start sit hour. I'll say something on Twitter, but just real quick, people, like I have tried to go through all my DMs like a couple times a week over the years, and uh, th- there are a lot. I'm, I'm you know, it, there's there's a a shit ton, like hundreds on the weekend. Sometimes I'm not going to be able to respond to every start, sit question, trade question, all this throughout the weekend. I just can't, my family and girlfriend would murder me. So what we're doing is we're doing a start sit hour at 11 AM. Now, a lot of times, you know, when I tweet something about, you know, alvin kamara and someone responds you know carson wentz or sam donald sam starts sit i'm not going to answer that let's try to keep the topic you know on hand i realize though when it comes time sunday morning you just want to know who to start who to sit you know i'm happy to teach you guys how to fish during the week but at the end of the day you do need to get fed and if you just want that answer on sunday i get it so you know my apologies in advance i'm not going to be able to get to every single question but i would just encourage you please come check out the 11 a.m pff start sit hour this is not going to be a show where I answer a few start sit questions. The full goal of this show is going to be answer as many start sick questions in about fifty to sixty minutes as we can possibly handle. We'll give a small, you know, ex- explanation, but this is to get the start sick questions in. So, no, I'm not going to be able to respond to every single one out there, but you know, I'm at least devoting you know sixty minutes of myself, Dwayne, and Andrew's time to try to get those questions answered. So, keep an eye out for that. Very excited for that. I feel like a lot of the fantasy centric shows, you know, they they have good information. I'd like to think this one has good information, but I get it. Sunday morning, you just want to know who to start, who to sit. That is exactly what we're hoping to provide. So keep an eye out for that. Obviously got all my other content at pff.com throughout the week. Quarterbacks of prototypes went live on Tuesday. On Wednesday, you can read about every single backfield. Thursday, wide receiver, cornerbacks analysis, plus tight end analysis. Also my mismatch manifesto. I'm very proud of my four article series. And I truly believe if you follow those four, you will have a good grasp on just about every fantasy relevant player in the NFL. So thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. You heard Dwayne before. I'm Ian Harditz. And until next time, take care of everybody.